Sometimes the most helpful things for us is to remember where things started. And tonight, or this morning, while I'm preaching, I, I want you to go back to the place where you first heard the news that God loves you and that he gave his son to die on the cross for you. And you realized your need for salvation, your need to be forgiven. And I want you to think about that as we look at this message this morning. Because I want your heart to be stirred in a way that draws you back toward him. There are so many things in our life and in, the, in our world and everything that bombards us on a regular basis that steals us of our joy. It causes us at times to become discouraged. It causes us to lose sight of what really matters. And it begins to really in, inhibit the growth that God wants in our life. And so I want you to consider that this morning. As we look here in Luke chapter 2. I want to begin reading in verse number 1. We're going to read down to verse number 8. I want to ask you this morning to help me with the even verses. You guys help me with verse 2, 4, 6, and 8, okay? And I'll read all 8. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made was Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now we'll look at the other verses in just a few moments. I read where archaeologists have dug up first century cemeteries in Greece and Rome and have found many tombstones that bear the Greek or Latin inscription for the words, no hope. I want you to imagine your entire life living with no hope. And imagine going to your death, to that eternal night, with no hope. Last week we looked at the gift of forgiveness that Christ offers to all. This morning we're going to look at the subject of the gift of hope that he offers us. Our Father, I pray right now, I pray, I pray for your power to rest upon me. I pray for your power to rest upon this service. Lord, there's, there's not one man who could say, to deliver a speech that would inspire people, that would encourage people, that would minister to people in a way that has eternal value. That, that comes through the working of your spirit within all of us. I'm praying now, God, that you would gather my thoughts and, and, and bring them all in a one, into one message. 
that you want me to deliver this morning. Help me, Father, to present it in a very clear way. and Help it to fall and, and, and be heard by people who are willing to uh, have their lives affected by the, by the Word of God. And so would you minister to us. If there's one here today who cannot right now go back to a time where they can recall where they accepted Jesus as their Savior, where they heard the good news of the gospel, convicted of their sin, and accepted Christ. May today be the day that they will remember for the rest of eternity. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. A man showed up a little late to a Little League baseball game one afternoon. And uh, the game had already started. It was already a lot of things going on. And uh, he noticed that one dugout was pretty quiet and the other dugout was pretty loud. And he noticed one group of fans were excited and the others were just silent. And he walked up and he saw this young fellow that he knew and he was there to support him. And, and he was in the dugout and, and he called him by name and he says, Hey, what, what's the score? And the boy responded, we're down 18 to nothing. Of course, the man's eyes got really big. And he said, well, I know that that's probably discouraging. And the boy said, why would I be discouraged? We haven't gotten up to bat yet. Whoo, if you're down 18 to nothing, you hadn't batted yet, you got a reason to be discouraged, right? But that little boy had something in his heart, didn't he? He had some hope that an opportunity would arise and that his team would come back. When we think of hope, we think of a feeling of expectation. We think of a desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope is an optimistic expression looking for a very favorable outcome. But as someone once said, hope always depends on the reliability of the one who is making the promises, the one that we are putting our trust in. All of us know individuals who, when, are, when we request them, when we ask them to do something, we ask them with reservation, hoping that they will come through for us realizing that there has been times in the past where they failed to do so. And then there are times where we put our trust in someone that we're very confident in. And we believe that they're going to do it, and they're going to do it well. And we can walk away from that not worrying about it. Our hope is that they're going to get it done. And our belief is that is exactly what is about to happen. Well, there's no one that we can place greater faith and trust and reliability on than our God and our Savior. And the promises that are found written in the Word. Throughout the Bible, we have precious promises that we can put our faith and trust in. And the Bible has a lot to say about hope. When I think of faith itself in Hebrews 11 verse 1 the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Faith is us living with an expectation that God is going to come through, that God is going to take care of everything. The Bible has a lot to say about hope. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14, Paul wrote, he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a a peculiar people zealous of good works. Paul, speaking of the return of Christ, he says that is our blessed hope. That is when eternity begins and everything changes and this, this frail body, this cursed body will be changed for all of eternity. We're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to turn your Bible, you're in Luke chapter 2, go to your right to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And I want you to read with me this very important passage of Scripture that Paul delivers to us. We find great comfort in what is written here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want us to begin reading in verse number 13. Paul says, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Brethren means he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to those who are saved, those who know Jesus Christ and has experienced forgiveness and have hope and peace and eternity. That's the brethren, the family of God. He says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Everyone outside of Christ lives their daily life without any hope. It's a very sorrowful thing when we lose someone that doesn't know Jesus as Savior. They died, they lived without hope. They died without hope. And their eternity will be spent in condemnation in the lake of fire without any hope. But for those who are saved... We don't have to sorrow as those which have no hope. Because he says in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Speaking of his return. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hope brings comfort. And hope and comfort is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what Paul is teaching there, that yes, people will die. If the Lord tarries, we're all going to die. We're going to face death. And one day, we're going to be, our body is going to be put to rest. And we are going to be asleep, as the Bible describes. 
but our soul is going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And we will be in the presence of Almighty God and we will see Jesus for the very first time. But one day the Lord, that blessed hope, the Lord is going to return. And He's going to receive everyone that knows Him unto Himself. And everyone who is with Him now is going to come back with Him. And the dead in Christ, those bodies will be resurrected. And they'll be new and they'll be transformed. And there'll be, a, there'll be a wonderful thing that takes place, that new body. And all of us who are alive and remain, our body will immediately be changed. This, this robe of flesh, this curse, this, this corruptible will put on incorruption. And we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we shall go and we shall be with our Savior. And therefore that brings incredible comfort to everyone who knows Him. So you don't have to live your life in fear. You don't have to live your life without hope. You don't have to live your life always scared of what may happen or what tomorrow brings or whether or not you go to the doctor and he gives you bad news. You have hope in a life that goes, extends much further than the one that we enjoy today. Last night, I sent out a text. I got the word that uh, Donald Zeller had passed away. And Donald Zeller was a special man. If you don't know Donald Zeller, he, he often sat right over there where Art sits. He often sat where Cecil and Judy on that row right there. He used to sit up there in the penthouse. He used to sit up there all the time. And Donald couldn't hear very well. He always got his listening device when he came into the church. And he was always excited to be in church. I love Donald Zeller. If you don't know Donald Zeller, when you go by my office, you'll see a picture of Pastor Lewis baptizing a man who comes up out of the water with his arms stretched up. That's Donald Zeller. Donald, he, become, he began coming to RU a few years ago and uh, befriended him and got to know him well. And uh, Donald was a... Uh, uh, he was a veteran from Vietnam, and uh, he struggled with that. He struggled with his experience there. It was something very hard for him to overcome, and it was something that he never wanted to talk about. It was a difficult part of his past. But Donald, I, I remember him coming, and I remember, I remember going to buy and visiting him one day. And uh, it's, 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 it has to be the hand of God for Donald Zeller to come to the door. Because you can knock and beat on that door and he just isn't coming to the door because he can't hear it. And I, I remember going to that door and knocking on that door and he came to the door. And I went in there and sat down with him and I had a conversation with him. And I remember asking him, was he saved? And I got to talking to him about salvation and his need for Christ. And, and he had a hard time with being forgiven and all of these things. And he didn't get saved that day. But I remember that was a great conversation, and, and, and Donald struggled. He, I guess I can say this now, Michael, Donald couldn't read, but he could listen. And he would get the Bible on tape, and he would listen to the Bible. And he, that was his faithful companion. And even when he's been sick, even Wednesday night, he was in the hospital, could not receive visitors, extremely sick, 
And Tracy told me he had his Bluetooth speaker and he was listening to the service on Wednesday night. On Friday, the doctors told him that, that he, uh, they gave him some options with treatment or he could just go home. And his decision was, I just want to go home. And Tracy and the kids were telling me last night when I talked to them that they, they told Daddy, we, we aren't ready for you to go. And, and he says, I'm ready to go. I want to see my Jesus. I got a picture, Stick. I got a picture of you and I. I remember the day he got saved. And there's a picture of you and I standing with him in this auditorium when he, got, when he finally made the decision to accept Christ as his Savior. And I love that. I love that. Every time I walk by that picture, I'm thankful that we had the opportunity to invest in Don and to see him saved and to see him publicly profess his faith in Jesus Christ. This was what Don said. Don says, I'm just ready to go and see my Jesus. And around 5.32, about the time I started preaching at the live nativity last night, Donald saw Jesus. Donald lost hope that he was going to live. But he never lost the hope that he had discovered in Jesus Christ. Hope is a powerful thing. When people lose hope, you can, I mean, you can get on the internet and find story after story of people who have suffered extraordinary circumstances. As long as they have hope, they can survive. But when they lose hope, it does not take very long for them to perish. Hope is powerful. In Luke chapter 2, the shepherds experienced hope. At the time of Christ's birth, it was a discouraging time for many. People all over the world were returning to their roots, not for the joy of family reunions, but to pay tax to Rome. New faces were in Bethlehem that night, and the visitors were impacting the economy. But by the time Mary and Joseph had arrived, there were no vacancies in town. So the opportunity to rest and comfort from their long journey was not available to them. But the timing of childbirth, at least before the days of modern medicine, because now you can schedule when you're going to have a baby. But in that day, you could not schedule an appointment. When the, when the, when the Lord says it's time and the child says it's time, that baby's coming. So while everyone else had their minds on other things that night, something extraordinary was happening in Bethlehem. But in the midst of all that was going on in the world, it was just an ordinary night for the shepherds. There are no days off when it comes to farm animals. The shepherds had a responsibility to keep watch over their flocks and protect their sheep. And I think of the dullness the routine of life can sometimes offer. It's just another night, 
It's the same old thing. We're going to be out here all night. We're going to take care of our sheep. We're going to protect them from harm, from injury. We're going to protect them from wild beasts. We're going to watch over them. It's just another night. It's just another day at the office. It's just another day of work. But there has to be more than going to work every day, paying your bills, raising your kids, the whole hum of life until the point that one day we take our last breath. But that night, hope was presented to the shepherds when they least expected it. And the result would never leave their lives the same. In verses 10 through 14, I want us to see back in Luke chapter 2 the hope that good news brings. Read with me beginning in verse number, let's begin in verse number 9. The shepherds are keeping watch over their flock by night. They're out in the field, they're out in the pasture, they're in the countryside. And suddenly the angel appeared unto them in verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, talking about an extraordinary circumstances that, that, that mess up your normal routine. It's not something that they expected. But the angel appeared, and he's a heavenly messenger. In verse 10, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good tidings is the message that was delivered. And it's a message that, that brings and that offers great joy to all that hear it. Not just the shepherds, it shall be to all people. Not just the people in Somerville, not just the people in Decatur. It's good news that is delivered to all people. It's a message that needs to be delivered. And it's a good tidings of great joy which is offered unto all. He says in verse number 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This message that the angel delivered is one that delivered hope, is a good news that offered deliverance. It was a Savior. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all mankind. He is the one that offers hope and forgiveness unto all. And then we see in verse number 14 that the good news secures peace. Because the heavenly host gathers around and they say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The world is seeking peace. And the truth is a lot of Christians today have lost their peace. Because we have lost our first love and we have turned toward other things and we have forgotten all that Jesus Christ has offered us. And I want you to go back to that today. I want you to remember that experience that you had, the, the enjoyment of knowing that, hey, I'm going to heaven. I'm forgiven for everything. I'm saved. I'm bought. I'm redeemed. What a wonderful thing that that is. It's a moment that you received hope. Your fear of being lost, your fear of hell, your fear of, of unforgiveness, all of your fear of death, all of that goes away when we put our trust and our faith in the hope that Jesus Christ offers. It's a good news. It's a good news unto all. Because, because the birth of Christ 
was leading us unto the cross of Christ. Jesus Christ did not come to be a cute little baby who drools and goo-goos and gaga's in a manger. It was more than just Christmas. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for our sins, to offer himself an atonement for everything that we have done wrong and how we've disobeyed God. And he offers salvation, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Paul writes in the book of Titus, following everything that the shepherds had heard. The shepherds were given a hope they knew that they needed to experience for themselves. And that's my second point this morning, beginning in verse 15. It's not only a hope that that good news brings, it was a hope to be experienced. Verse 15, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They wanted to go together. When they had heard this hope, when they had heard this good tidings, when they heard of the joy and the peace that this good news brought, that there was a Savior born, they looked at one another and they said, James, what are we waiting on? Let's get out of here. Let's go and see what we've been told. We want to experience it for ourselves. We want to know of this Savior. We want to know Jesus Christ. And so they, they began their journey into the town of Bethlehem. They wanted to see what was made known unto them. Because the truth is, hope is best experienced with others. Amen? It says in, in verse, uh, verse 16, And they came with haste. They came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. What they found true was that the messenger had delivered the truth. And they came and they experienced, they, they wanted to see it for themselves. They wanted to know if what they heard was true. I'm delivering a message this morning that Christ was not just born, but Christ offers salvation and hope to everyone. Amen? And I encourage everyone to go and experience it for themselves. I can stand up here and I can have other people stand up here and I can have people testify of how they were forgiven and how they got saved and the joy of all that and how the Lord changed their life. And it can move you to tears. But it doesn't do you any good until you experience it for yourself. Until you have your own testimony. On December the 18th, 2022, I heard the good news of the gospel. That Christ died for my sins. That he was buried. And on the third day, God's power rose him again from the dead. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is a Bible word, it's not a Baptist word, amen? And it's something that people hear. They, the shepherds heard the message. 
and they went to see the message. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Lastly, this morning, uh, it's a hope It's a hope that brings good news. It's a hope that needs to be experienced. And it's a hope that needs to be shared. When they had seen it, when they had experienced it for themselves, and they found out that it was the truth, it was a divine messenger. It was a divine message. They sought out the truth, and they experienced the truth. They felt it. They could see it. They knew it. It was personal in their life. It wasn't just what someone had said. It affected them. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They told them how they had heard about Jesus. They told them of how they had heard about the Savior. They told them how they had heard the good tidings of great joy. They told them how they heard that peace was offered unto all men. They they heard of the hope that was given unto us. And when they went out, they began to tell others, and they shared that good news with everyone that would listen. And in verse 18, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They were amazed by what they had heard. Did it change their life? I don't know. Did they have a personal experience? I don't know. But they didn't know this, Garrett. What they heard was amazing. And if it was true, it would change everyone. When you got saved, Brandon, you had to tell somebody. I always question somebody's salvation if they can't go tell somebody. And if you're with me and I'm counseling you and I'm leading you to Christ, when we get done and I pray for your assurance and I give you verses on assurance, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you, go tell somebody. They had heard something. Why do we as believers stay quiet about this subject? i tell you why. Because we've allowed our hope to be diminished by other things. We're not as excited as we once were. We've lost a little bit of our peace and a little bit of our joy. And we're not fired up and passionate about it. Oh, we're fired up and passionate about other things. I've gotten to where I have to turn Facebook off on Saturday afternoons. Because we're passionate about college football. We're passionate about a lot of things. I am dreading election coming, aren't you? Do you put more hope in Tennessee or Alabama than you do in Christ? Do we put more hope in our government than we do in our relationship with Christ? You ought to be excited about it, Carson. 
it ought to make you smile. When we sing, do we sing out? Do we worship? Do we worship him or we just say words and we're looking at people? Are we just looking at people or are we worshiping? What Christmas is changed the world. And the world makes it about everything but Jesus Christ. And the church is doing a better job of following the world than we are sharing the hope. Tell somebody. Let's wrap up. In verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. Say, what did they do? They went back to work. They went back to their responsibilities. They would have gone back home. They went back to taking care of their sheep. But there would have been something different about them, Lynn. They were different at work that night. It wasn't just a routine of life because it was something bigger. Listen, listen to me. They went back that night glorified and praising God. It changed everything because they were living for something bigger. It wasn't just about, it just wasn't just about buying something else and going in deeper debt. It wasn't just about paying the bills or getting a bigger house or a nicer car. It was more than that. Their life was changed because they had experienced a hope that nothing in this world could deliver. And it affected their attitude. It affected their spirit. It affected their worship. Perhaps they already were believers in God. They just didn't know who Jesus Christ was. And there are a lot of people, I come across a lot of people who believe in God. But they've never experienced the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Believing in God don't get you to heaven. Accepting the gift that was given. That's what gets us to heaven. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is nothing that the scriptures add to it. How do I get to heaven, pastor? It is through Jesus Christ. It's more than just believing that he was a baby in a manger. It's believing That he came into this world to save sinners. That he gave himself for us. Don't lose that. If that fire has dimmed, let it burn brighter again. When you're sitting with your family, you really want to enjoy your family, you really want to love one another, know the love of God. It is giving, it is loving, it is forgiving. 
It is sacrificial. When we learn to love people like that, it brings life into a whole other realm for us. Everything in life, everything in our nature is about us. What do I get out of it? What can I get from this? You learn to love the way God loves, it changes everything. And he offers the gift of hope to all who will take it. If you've taken it, if you've received Christ, put a smile on that face. Live your life with joy in such a way that people say, Aubrey, what are you smiling at? What are you so happy about? What are you so happy about, Billy? Because I got some good news. I got some good news. If you don't know the joy, if you don't know the hope that is found in Christ, experience for yourself. Let's stand to our feet.